everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. We're in Season 5, Episode 38. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And I just want to start off by saying thank you very much for all the support that we're getting with the purchases of the ringtone. It really means a lot, guys. And if you haven't done it yet, definitely go check out the iTunes store or the Tune store for Android to go purchase that unapologetically different ringtone that you hear in the background right now. And while you're at it, definitely leave us a review on iTunes and a rating. It really makes a difference for the show and we really appreciate it, guys. So again, thank you for all the support and we're just going to keep on keep on coming at you with that fire that you love. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do leave the review so we know where we stand with our shows and what your viewpoint is on it and we'll greatly appreciate that. So how you been? How's the day going? Mm, my day is going really good. I was productive. I got some stuff done for work. And just wait, you productive in the yeah, same sentence? Yeah, I know. It's um, like no shade, but yeah. our, uh, partly because of you, because he he definitely. I didn't catch that part. Can you repeat it, please? Par, par, partly because of you. Okay. He definitely gets on top of me to make sure I'm on my p's and q's. So <laughs> that, that's, that's why I love her. That's why you I get on top of him. Literally, I light a fire under his ass. Because he be procrastinating and be playing around. Barely. But in part, it's because Pierre has so much potential. Aww. He has a lot of potential. I'm not just saying it to be nice, but realistically, you do. But sometimes you get in your own way. Mm. Well, that's why I have you. Yeah. We're a partnership here. Yes. It's all love, baby. Yes, baby, baby. <laughs> well, my day's going good. I got a lot of work done. Able to do some podcast stuff as well. So I'm really excited. And I'm really excited about this show. Um, I, I like the floor print on your shirt. And thank it, you. And, and, and it matches your socks too. I got pink socks. I'm like, yay. I, lo- I, love, a, I love a lady who could dress well. So. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Thank you, Coach P. You're welcome. Um, so now we're about to get into it. Mm, mm, mm. As you guys know, we started our book club. Our next book, Well, That Escalated Quickly by Francesca Ramsey. The plan was to talk about the book in this episode, get Pierre and I's take on it. We realized that the book actually debuted today in stores and on audio, so we're not able to read it prior to the episode. So we will be talking about it on the next episode. So please go get the book if you haven't already. It debuted today um, in stores, and you can get an audio. It's by Francesca Ramsey, and it's Well That Escalated Quickly, and we'll be posting that on our social media. Awesome. I look forward to reading it, especially because it's really about just her kind of falling into being an activist. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's pretty cool, Um, especially just with everything that's going on in the socio-political environment that we're living in now. I think it's really important for you to, or just people in general, to go out and support the issues that they really care about, whatever that means. Unless you're trying to take tiki torches down to park. <laughs> no don't shade. do that. We don't need that <laughs> at all. You're good. Let's make America great again. Um, but also, too, to read. I yeah. think it's very important to read. And I, I love to get lost in a book and really just kind of lose myself, even, you know, not really keeping track of time, especially when it's a really good read and it's something you can walk away with. And that's the whole purpose of us kind of having this book club is to make sure we're both reading um consistently and even though you know you tend to get busy a lot 
Some of us get caught up in the shows that are on TV. Um, and there are a lot of great shows out there, but I definitely think you need to carve out time of you actually investing in a book, a novel of some sort, and even newspaper if you feel so. But make time to read. It definitely enhances your vocabulary, and I think it's very important. Um, so that's my little speech on that. Nice. <laughs> so the royal wedding basically broke tradition, which I thought was very interesting. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did not watch it, but I reaffirmed my love for Twitter because, like, the Twitter <laughs> moments are just... No, seriously. Twitter be lit, yo. People be sleeping on Twitter. Like, I really don't like using social media like that, but the Twitter moments, you can get caught up perfectly, plus get a few jokes from random people tweeting about it. Couple so, retweets. Exactly. I, I watched the Twitter moments, and I got caught up, like, right away that day on everything. And like, also was live streaming. On yeah. certain networks, so it was really good. Um, so you didn't get up at six o'clock in the morning to watch nah. it. Ah, yeah. Nah. You ain't the only one, bro. Um, I thought it was great. I did not get up at six o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna be quite frank. I didn't follow it thoroughly when they started dating and they got engaged. I was like, oh wow, this is nice. Um, but I didn't follow it, and I really thought it was gonna be like next weekend or something. But I was like, yo, six o'clock in the morning, though. Like, I love my sleep. Shout out to those who got up and did it. I seen people on my timeline giving updates about the entire wedding. I was like, y'all cute for three, four hours straight. But we did get to watch majority of it. So we did get to see... The relevant part. <laughs> All the parts are relevant. I was actually annoyed because he didn't. they didn't, like, say I do and kiss. I'm just like, wait, what? Like, that's what I was waiting for. That magical moment. But it didn't happen. I did say I do. Yeah, but they didn't kiss at, like, in front of the, like, at the altar. Oh. I kissed, like, 20 minutes later. Well, it's different. It's kind of a, distance, a different setup. And kind of bringing it back in terms of them breaking royal tradition. So the Reverend Michael Curry from North Carolina gave an epic sermon at the epic. wedding. <laughs> like, this was his time to shine, bruh. Yeah. He went in. <laughs> but he did it very well. Um... <laughs> And basically, to give people a little background, traditionally, addresses at royal weddings are given by the senior clergy from the Church of England. They switched it up a little bit for this wedding, so that he was given an opportunity and chosen by the couple to um, make his speech, uh, his sermon. By, by Meghan Markle. <laughs> basically. And her mother. <laughs> right. and her, mother. Is. her mother chose him for the <laughs> wedding. Um. Keeping in mind, Curry became Episcopal Church first African-American leader in 2015. He was well known before that. In 2012, he gave an interesting sermon by saying, we need some crazy Christians. Y'all kind of like this dude, B. I see where he's going with this. <laughs> um, and his sermon went viral and eventually turned into a book titled Crazy Christians, A Call to Follow Jesus. Um, I thought that was very interesting because he had a following prior to this wedding and some some, if not most people, already knew that. But I got an understanding of who he was at this wedding, and I, I really appreciate the sermon for what it was. Mm. One of the components of the sermon that I really enjoyed was, majority of it was around the power of love. Mm. It was a significant potent point that he made throughout um, his sermon about the importance of love and what love can do and change. Preach. And... One thing I really did like is when he kept kind of saying, and I think that was kind of his rhetorical way of using his language to kind of get his message across, is like, imagine a world where love is the way. He kind of kept saying that. It was very repetitive. But I liked it for what it was in terms of, imagine a world where love is the way. Love is the way for homes, families, neighborhoods, communities, government, nations, business, commerce, poverty, and justice. Um, there was a couple points where he quoted Martin Luther King Jr., 
I appreciated his sermon for what it was because I don't want to say it was political, but he kind of gave a little hint, a little sign in it. But at the same time, it kind of came full circle, especially pertaining to um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, a uh, new princess. So I really appreciate his sermon for what it was. And it wasn't drawn out for two, three hours. You know how they do. But it was like it the points that he made. And I think it's very valid as to where we are as a country, as we are as a society. Um in terms of us understanding the importance of if love is the center of things, how much things can be healed and how we can view each other. One of the points that he made is that we could look at each other like brothers and sisters and love each other instead of hating each other. And as simplistic and cliche as it sounds as to where we're at in this country um, and in the world, it's really refreshing to hear that, that love could really change. And I think that's why he tied it into Martin Luther King Jr. and the things that he spoke about in his speeches. And I think it's very important that we hold on to that. And that was my big takeaway from this wedding. I mean, the glitz, the glam, her outfit, beautiful. But I really appreciate his sermon for what it is because I feel like we needed that and we need more of it. Yeah, I really love the sermon, especially, like you said, it's such a simple concept, love being the way. But it's so powerful, especially if you if you don't if you're not like intellectualizing it, but actually acting that out. Um, it's if love was the way when it came to government, business, commerce, like like you said, we would end poverty. That would be something in the past. So I thought that was really dope. And Trump would have never became president if love was the way. <laughs> Bruh. Okay. Facts. <laughs> Just wanted to point that out. And also, uh, at the at the ceremony, it was pretty interesting watching the the Brits react to his sermon because yo, they the, facial expressions. Yeah, they, they, like what is what they, are you talking about? Oh, this is this is arousing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very stirring sermon. <laughs> you and this accent that you're Literally, trying, you're I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, for I'm it. gonna be failing on this accent throughout this entire segment. So just bear with me. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought... I Honestly, I really loved the fact that they had um, a black reverend do the the sermon. Especially because what I really got out of this... I, I didn't really care about the wedding like that. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know Meghan Markle. Honestly, I didn't even know that she was multiracial until about a week before the wedding. Mm-hmm. So, once I found that out... I saw like why for some people this was like a really big deal and I thought it was very important that it did show like listen these are two people who are in love outside of what their race their skin color the, all the things that separate them they're just people at the end of the day and the fact that they're coming together and joining hand in marriage like that's an example of love being the way and people can look to that especially where there's a lot of hate going on in the world. So that's And there's so much hate going on. Yeah. That's why I thought this wedding was just refreshing. I get why people I mean I didn't get up six o'clock in the morning, but I get why people got up and was extremely invested into it because it's just to to have that, you know, to kind of get away from what's going on. It's it is refreshing and it's a I think we do kind of need that sometimes, you know? Yeah. So another highlight from the wedding was the rendition of Stand By Me by You ben. mean another black extravaganza at the wedding. Yes. <laughs> another black extravaganza <laughs> at the wedding was the rendition of Stand By Me by Ben E. King, which was performed by the Kingdom Choir. They also performed This Little Light of Mine. And 
they were just great. They were phenomenal. Yeah. Especially was... the director of the choir, all that gray hair and flow and melanin. I was like, give it to me. I just see shea butter and coconut oil all over yes, her. Yes, yes. Bring yes. it in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, so fun fact, the Kingdom Choir is a Christian gospel group based in the southeast of England, and it's made up of 20 members. And in 2000, they won the BBC Radio 2's Minstrel in the Gallery Annual Competition. And in 2002, they were nominated for the Best UK Choir at the Oasis Awards. So they out here getting accolades. Yeah. Doing big things. Now they just checked off Royal Wedding <laughs> on the resume. <laughs> Something like, you know. They about to get them checks now. Heard that. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Literally. Singing all the way to the <laughs> bank. So Karen Gibson is the founder and director of the choir. And she previously provided backgrounds vocals for acts such as Grace Kennedy and the Beautiful South. So there was just lots of black excellence at this wedding, which I thought was something very powerful and Again, we made a joke earlier that the mom was behind it, but whatever the case may be, whoever was the original orchestrator of just the different acts and people that were going to be a part of this wedding, I thought it was really good because it kind of showcased both sides of the family. Basically, both cultures kind of coming together, and that's what weddings are about. So I think they did a great job incorporating both cultures. Facts. (laughs) I just, never mind. I just had a joke in my head. Might as well you share it since you said it. Yeah, I was just imagining like they had all the British people on one side and all, and the, all, Americans. Black- <laughs> and all the Americans on the other side. <laughs> so another highlight from the wedding was Sheku Kana Mason. He's a 19-year-old amazing cello player. Also known as Cello Bay. Hey, Daddy. Easy, easy, easy. <laughs> He's barely, barely over age. <laughs> he 19. He legal. Facts. <laughs> Holla at Keith. Hello. <laughs> Playing that cello. I see you, boo. With the fro. So you're also Afrocentric. You know I'm already into that. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. I cut all my hair off. <laughs> you know how to play a cello? Okay. I, I can learn on YouTube. Heard you. <laughs> no. YouTube University. <laughs> uh, yeah, so his performance was just dope. It was amazing. Yeah. Especially, like... I really I I appreciate people who are really passionate about whatever they're doing and like I'm big on the 10,000 hour rule where you need to practice something for 10,000 hours which equates for about 10 years before you can really become a master or a virtuoso of it and he's been playing the cello since he was 6 years old and it clearly showed because he just brought down the house and it was an amazing performance so Shout-outs to him for that. Yeah, he did a great job, and I hope that he continues and get more fame and accolades, too, for the work that he does. And it's just good to see that positivity and that he's doing... You don't see... I feel like you don't see a lot of black people involved in terms of playing cello and certain types of instruments. So to see it, especially on a grander scale, it's a beautiful thing. So I hope he continues that. Yeah, cello Bay. And especially at a, a young age. At a very young age, which is good, too. I didn't know cello, cello players had groupies, but... Apparently. So I'm a groupie now. Oh, I'm not talking about you. Just in general. In general. The Twitter universe is going crazy. You were hating. I'm not. You were hating ass dude. That's what you are. I'm not. Mm, I was going to say something else, but it's all right. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, this is a family show. Nobody. <laughs> um, one of the things I did notice and enjoy was um, Bernice's King tweet. She's also known as the youngest daughter of Martin Luther King Jr. She tweeted, Dear family, it's okay to watch and be moved by the royal wedding. It doesn't make you insensitive or less caring about the humanity in the world. It doesn't mean you've forgotten history. Find moments of joy. We need them to continue the work. I thought this tweet was very important, especially around this time. You know, going into this wedding, people were kind of on the fence about it. Like, there were some people who were like, oh, it's beautiful. It's like this fantasy came true. And then other people were just like, but hold on. Let's check the receipts of the Brits because we know what time it is. Um, <laughs> and the Brits have a history of being racist and a part of colonization um, and parallelism, especially in the Brexit era. There are no saints according to history standards. So, for example, when Prince Henry was about 20 years old, he was caught wearing a swastika armband, right? And then, so there's issues surrounding that that occurred. And then also prior parts that the family have played in history pertaining to people of color, especially invading other countries. So I understand people's standpoint on that, on a political aspect. It's like, how can a biracial woman, when she's black, biracial, she black, <laughs> marry into this royal family you know, knowing their history? You know, and then on the other side, it kind of brings up questions and topics that we should be talking about. One of the things that this union, this marriage um, presents to us is that it brings up crucial political issues that get some mainstream attention. The fact that you have a black woman marrying into this royal family, there's questions and concerns surrounding, is she going to change the work that they plan to do or what they're currently doing? Megan Markell, she is an activist in her own right and big on humanitarian work. So hopefully she'll continue that and actually do more. Maybe it'll change the way they view other people around the world. And maybe it just changes their policies in a way that they, they go into certain business transactions or whatever the case may be. Um, and maybe it makes them be honest to, you know, what they have done into other countries and the effects that they have caused. And maybe they can come to the surface and have these real conversations pertaining to these issues. So we don't know what can happen. Um, one thing I would say for me, I didn't necessarily focus on the whole political aspect of it because I was like, this is the person she chose to marry. You know, I'm on my feminist tip. I don't think he chose her. She chose him to marry. She chose to marry into that lifestyle. And I honestly and truly believe that they are in love. And if that's what we're basing it on, bringing it back to um, what Reverend Curry was saying about love is and love being and being in the center of it. If love is what is between these two individuals, then let it be what it is. Um, so I, I took that along with what Bernice King tweeted. And I was just like, these are moments of joy. And it's nothing wrong with watching it and talking about it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having conversations around this wedding, whether it's superficial conversations or... If it's in a di another direction, there's nothing wrong with that because I feel like a lot of us, for those of us who care about our community and our culture as to what's going on in the socioeconomic climate and racial climate in this country, we have to find pockets of joy. You know, um, we have to find moments of joy because if you continue just focusing on all the negatives and all the isms and the systems at play, yo, you get caught up into that and I've been there, you lose yourself. You really lose yourself when you get caught up into this work. That's why I take a step back from when I see an article about police brutality, which is like once, one every five hours, I see something popping up on my newsfeed. Things that are not televised or recorded or, you know, a domestic violence issue or a sexual assault issue pertaining to me too and time's up. 
I have to know to step away from these things and find moments of pockets of joy because if I don't, I will lose my sanity. So that's what I took away from Bernice King um, tweet. And I really appreciate her for tweeting that. What was your take on her tweet? Yeah, I definitely agree. Especially, I've had people who told me like, because once I, I, again, I recently have become woke. <laughs> Two days ago. I left, I left Kanye in the sunken place. <laughs> and... Well, you had a choice. So, good job. <laughs> you had a choice. But, um... Sometimes when you are really looking at... Systematic racism. Just issues that the world has. Violence, poverty, things like that. Whatever is really important to you. Sometimes it can be, like, weigh on you. Like, it makes you feel like... Are you doing enough? Or what difference can you make? Are things ever going to change? And just getting angry like that, I feel like that's a natural reaction to to certain things that are going on in the world. And it's really important to, like you said, Keith, to not lose yourself in that because outside of everything that's happening, there is there's so many things to be happy and be appreciative for. So I love the tweet that she said because for some people, this wedding can mean different things. Some people are just seeing a beautiful big wedding. Like, that's something they aspire to have. For other people, just seeing interracial love might just be something that's beautiful for them to see because it shows that race and skin color and ethnicity doesn't matter. Or whatever the case may be. Like, however you perceived it, or just in general, whatever you find joy in, you definitely should hold on to those moments because... They can be fleeting, especially with all the things that the life of someone who really cares about activism or cares about the the problems in the world. So holding on to those um, those positive moments, I think, is very important. And also, just because you watch the wedding, if you got up six o'clock in the morning, you watch it all the way through, or you've seen it streamed on TV, and you know did Twitter updates or what have you, or Twitter moments <laughs> for that matter. That doesn't mean you're negating all the things that the Brits have done, <laughs> all the stuff that they've done in history, and even presently today, what they're involved in. Um, it doesn't mean that we're negating what's going on. But at the end of the day, like I said, this is the person she chose to marry. This is a decision that she made. And I didn't look at it severely as being heavily political because I was like, I'm not coming at that angle and taking it for what it is, being simple. That's why for me, I didn't really watch them heavily. Like, from the time they got together throughout. Because I was just like, oh, let's see how this pans out. And it wasn't like I was saying anything negative. But also in the back of my mind, you know, I was like, well, the Brits ain't... They, like I said, they're not saints. Let's not act like this is a perfect union. This is a Cinderella love story. It kind of is. It has mm -hmm. that clicheism to it. But, you know, you dig a little deeper. It's like, oh, oh. okay. You about that life. Okay. Um, <laughs> you went to colonization. Yes. Let's go invade another country. But... I'm not saying to gate what they have done and the parts they have played into other crimes. I'm just saying that taking it at face value for what it is and not, like, becoming overly political. And, I mean, at, this, at the end of the day, as I feel like if their union is bringing certain topics and things to the forefront pertaining to race relations, um, social injustice issues, or what positions this family have played in disenfranchising other countries and people, then why not? When are we going to have that conversation? So if it took for this wedding to happen to have it, I'm all for it. Let's have some tea, shall we? <laughs> Team trumpet. <laughs> You're still with the accent. Cheerio and all that. <laughs> so, yeah, on that note, we're going to be discussing more about relationship talk because, you know, this...
Union had us, you know, talking about where we're at currently in our lives and where we see ourselves going and where our generation is at currently with relationships. Like, looking at Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, you know, people probably fantasize around this, especially biracial people, and may say their relationship goals. That's kind of been a thing. Relationship goals. Hashtag relationship goals. Everybody's a relationship goal. <laughs> no relationships. <laughs> no relationships. Um, <laughs> you ain't shit. But everybody's relationship goals are the celebrities and people we look up to. And I always question, like, when did that become a thing? I just want to find someone to do those cool yoga couple things. Yo, that pictures be looking lit as fuck. So I I was, you know what you mean? Like, when they be like, picking them up? Yeah. And he like, be holding her? And they're doing all those moves. Though. Yeah. Now them joints is lit, though. But... In regards to, like, celebrities and stuff like that you look up to as relationship goals, are there any celebrity couples you have in mind? Do you mm-hmm. follow that trend or are you just like, nah, I'm not about that life? Uh, not really. Generally not about that life, but Will Smith and Jada Pickett-Smith. Like, okay. So, apparently, this is, I don't know, but I heard Jada, came, well, not I heard, Jada came out and said that um, the one rumor that she wished that she heard about her and Will was actually true was the fact that they were swingers. And so apparently that's not a real thing. Because I know it's been going around for a while. It's not. People just been saying that. Right. But I, I one, I love Will Smith. And I didn't really know much about Jada Pickett-Smith. But now that I'm actually starting to know more about her, like especially because he's on Instagram now mm-hmm. and like kind of getting more of a view of their world, she's like dope. Like She's everything. She's such a strong, powerful woman. And he's just He's the man. Like, I love them, the dynamic of their relationship. Like, I was actually watching a video of um, Jada where it was her, um, Willow, and her mom. Yeah, I think she's doing, like, a um, talk show kind of series in a sense with all three of them. Right. Yeah. And she was saying something about how um, at one point she had been really just, like, angry and not happy and she realizes because she was giving her she was giving all of her energy to Will and the kids and her family but then she talked about how one lesson she really wants to part on to Willow is you have to take care of yourself first mm-hmm. if you're not taking care of yourself first you're really not going to be able to make the difference for your family and your loved one and just like when i was hearing her just like hearing the things she talks about i'm just like I that's that's the type of girl that I want to have on my side if I'm yeah. gonna be in a relationship. Like they they I think are a dope couple. So is that a relationship you want to emulate or just you're just inspired by what they do? Because I feel like our generation and this whole relationship goals is like people want to emulate that relationship and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, like we really don't know what's going on from what we see. Um, at surface level. So is that something you want to emulate or you're just inspired? Well, I would want to emulate because they they both are just too confident, fun, just like dope people just doing their own thing, mm-hmm. but then doing their own things together. Okay. And I think that's like really important. Any relationship is going to thrive when both people are whole and complete separately, but they choose to be together because they know they can do awesome great things together but it's not like they need each other yeah there isn't a dependency there but they decide they mutually decide to be together and i think will smith talked about that on one of his videos on instagram 
just like it's not my responsibility to make Jada, uh, Jada happy. Yeah. And it's not hers to make me happy. Like our responsibility is to keep ourselves happy mm-hmm. and then we come together as two separate happy people as and become a unit. And like just really having two people who can it's again it's easy to think about these things and intellectualize them but to really be those be that way i think you don't really find that very often and this seems like two people who have that yeah no you're right about that i think for me um i'm inspired in some extent maybe you want to emulate i'm i'm not gonna front with this whole relationship goals thing became like a trend i was like oh this is cute and but I feel like, and then having my own relationship, keeping in mind, like, what's realistic versus what's perception. And then being mindful of the fact that these people who are celebrities that may look like they have a great relationship on surface level in these pictures. Behind the scenes, there's a lot going on that we may not know about. And it makes you question, like, is this something that I would endure if that was done to me, vice versa? So I think it's the, the premise of this conversation is just to make it clear that I think it's best that we don't try to emulate um, celebrities relationship because like I said you don't know what's going on behind closed doors for me um President Obama and Michelle Obama's like relationship goals Jay-Z and Beyonce's relationship goals um and then when I started to realize that these are real people and they have real issues behind closed doors I'm inspired by their relationships more so mm-hmm. kind of what I can take from it and what I can incorporate in my own but at the end of the day I want the person that I'm with for us to create our own goals, mm. our own relationship goals. At the end of the day, it comes down to me and the person that I'm with, not me and him and celebrities. <laughs> and, you know, other kind of inspirations or other kind of um, Instagram couples that are out there. Um, I think it's very imperative that just like we say, you shouldn't compare where you're adding your life to somebody else, whether you're married with kids or you have this huge career because it steals your joy. You shouldn't compare your relationship to other people's relationship because that could steal your joy. Yeah. And they may just be cheesing and smiling because, you know, they on the gram and they got a cute little filter. But, but when them cameras is put away, it's like they're not really happy with each other. And you don't need to prove your happiness in a relationship to the public. It needs to just be proven between you and your partner. Uh-huh. So what is your ideal relationship goal or goals? Um, I... Are you just going to be a fuckboy forever? Whoa, whoa. What? That woke you up? Ideal relationship goal, like I said, with like with Will and Jada, or just in general, the ideal relationship is two people, myself and someone else, or maybe a third. Person. See, see, I was waiting for that. <laughs> you talk about what? I'm just saying, like I listen, know you. Don't that, act like you be on this guy, bro. I'm you just saying, politically correct. Shit, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not even gonna be politically correct. I'm just saying there. So you see yourself having two partners? I'm you saying like to have options? I'm saying it's not out of the realm of possibility. That's what I'm at the end of the day. Negro. <laughs> I'm talking about you in a relationship with somebody else, not yeah, you with several other people. Why can't you be in a committed relationship with two other people? So you're fine with those two other people being in committed relationships with two other people other than you? That's no, no, no. The no. three of us oh. in a committed, like Lou oh, Will. Oh, misogyny at play, are we? Yay. So, those two partners that you have, say females, they can't have male partners? Not if it's a committed. It's not a committed relationship if you got two females and they don't have nobody else. Why to play is it not with. committed? Because you're the only male option, but for them, you know, for them, you have two female options. So, why can they have more than one male? Well, the female could have. A male and a female option. So, no. <laughs> Yo, I swear to God. Yo. 
You listen. All I'm saying. All <laughs> Yo, I'm saying is a fuck boy. This oh is the my. shit I'm talking about. Wow, that's inappropriate. It's not, it's not inappropriate. It's factual. So I, you want? I'm just saying. Listen. At the end of the day. All right. Heard you. I'm saying at the end of the day. <laughs> I'm not even surprised about it. Love is love. And you never know what that's going to look like. Especially, I genuinely believe, like, things like engagement. So you're not going to be in a monogamous relationship. I've never been in an open relationship with two people. But I'm just saying, it's not But it's not really open if they don't have options. If the woman can't be with multiple men, it's not really open. Sorry, that was not the right word I meant to use. Polygamy? Yeah. Okay. That's what you're aiming for. I didn't say I'm aiming for that. You're saying what's the goal? The goal yeah, is... Yeah, I asked you what... And this was a part of the goal. Okay. <laughs> we need to question your goals, bruh. So the goal is to have... Mm-hmm. People in a relationship that... Are you one of those people? Yes. Okay. In a relationship where... Everyone is doing, like, their own thing. Like, it's not, like, dependent. Like, oh, I need you. Or without you, I'm not complete, like... I want someone who's just doing dope things on their own that I can share ideas with, build with, help them with what they've got going on, and vice versa. Like, you know what I mean? I, I get what you mean. I'm just kind of stuck on the two people part. But um, I'm just saying that that's the way you are. So we're just gonna we're just gonna leave it at that. Um, no surprise there. What the, what what's the model of the show? <laughs> Be who you are. Exactly. Like, okay, I see it. I see it. But I want it to be interesting because you be out here like, I want to be in a relationship and I want to list. And it's just like, oh, you want more than one person or you just want one? Go ahead. You trying to have your cake and eat it too and everything else. Cake, 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 cake. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway. What about you? What's your ideal relationship goal? I think for me, it's very basic and simple. Trust, honesty, and respect. And loyalty. I want someone that trust is a big thing for me. Whether you how the way you touch me, the way you talk to me, trust, respect is a huge thing for me in terms of the way you talk to me and touch me. And trust is a huge thing as well. I need to be able to trust you. My woman into, intuition is real good, so I can sense if something is a little off. So you might want to tell me before I find out from someone else. So I'm really big on that. Um, And I would say loyalty, of course, being loyal to me. But outside of that, having someone who... You don't have to be where you envision yourself of being in your life at this moment. Because we're all going through life changes and things happen. But as long as you're working towards what you want to do. If you have goals that you want to put into fruition, make it happen. I'm the kind of woman that I will encourage you and support you in what you do. I don't think goals or um, dreams are dumb because you never know. It could just become something... So I'm very supportive. As long as you put in the work and you're consistent. Don't say you want to dream about something. You're just sitting there and I'm making nothing happen. Because it's not going to become anything. Um, so I'm really big on someone that has a drive and persistency in terms of their career goals. Someone that is family orientated. I mean, if you're not from... I'm not expecting someone with a two-parent household. Because, listen, we're not perfect. But even if you came from a one-parent household, a broken home, you've healed from those past issues and you're willing to be open in something new and refreshing. And I think that's important. A lot of us don't focus on past pain, whether it's with partners, ex-partners, or family pain and how you're bringing that into relationships. So I'm really big on you healing from your past. Whatever Mm. that may consist of, whether that's an ex-lover that you've been going back and forth with or whether that's family issues, 
try to heal and find yourself in that. Because if you could find yourself in that pain and you could heal from it, you are better in a relationship because you're not bringing in baggage and making assumptions and stuff. You can actually come into something level-headed and actually give it a fair chance. Mm. And I think that's something that I'm really big on. And of course, someone that wants me to be a part of their life and have a future. So those are some of my goals. List was a little long, but you know, I'm just being honest. I like it. I feel like you you went more in on your list. So one thing I want to add to my list. You only had one person. Okay, not two. One. Stop judging me. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. So the other thing for me, I I want just people who are going to, a person who's going to be support. <laughs> you might as well make it plural because your ass will more than one partner. Who are, who's going to be supportive. A lot of times, I feel like I'm very busy. I have a lot of things that I'm up to. You're very creative. So, yeah, I someone who's going to be supportive of the things that I'm up to because I'm always going to be supportive of whatever other people are trying to get uh, accomplished as well. And then also just appreciation. I feel like I, I go above and beyond for people and try to hold people down and support people. So if you can't be appreciative of what I'm bringing to the table, then I'm good. Oh, and affection. I love affection. Like someone very hands-on, affectionate, cuddly. I'm a big cuddler. Yeah. Now this. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you actually mentioned that because noticing when you're in relationships and kind of getting a feel of a person and getting an understanding of who they are. I didn't know how big the five love languages were. So the fact that you spoke about affection, that is key. Because the five love languages are words of affirmation, <laughs> acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Um, I could definitely say off the rip for me is um, quality time. I'm really big on that. Physical touch, I love to cuddle. I love, love cuddling. Especially PDA. But it can't be excessive. All right, chill. Thank you. <laughs> Same for the other two females. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, I'm not letting that go. Um... So I'm really big on physical touch PDA. As long as it's not excessive, we shouldn't be fucking in public. But like, you know, don't do no off the rip crap. But like, I like physical touch, quality time. Words of affirmation matters to me as well. What about you? What are your love languages? Um, Definitely physical touch. You seem like a touchy-feely kind of guy. Yeah, words of affirmation. I like that. You don't like um acts of service? Someone serving you? Nah, yeah. I genuinely... I mean, you low-key bougie, so I think you do want that. I, I don't know. I genuinely like doing things for other people. Sometimes I'm not even thinking about... Oh, you a pleaser? Yeah. <laughs> Daddy! So that's the, that's why I was saying, like, I, I want someone to appreciate the things that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know which one that would fall under. I think it will be acts of service to some extent. Yeah. But... That's good that you're aware of the types of languages you had. So if you had someone who was a part of the opposite ends of it, like that love languages doesn't coincide with what you want, how mm. do you think you'll be able to be receptive to them? Uh, not much. Not much at all. Like, especially as I'm getting older and I'm seeing the things that I like in different people. If someone's not affectionate physically, it's just like, for me personally, I'm just like, ah, I'm good. I I like that physical touch, the connection. But what if everything about them was great? It was just that one. You don't really be like, it's a dub because you don't want to touch me in public or you don't want to touch me. Maybe they're just not like that. Well, no, not, not, even, not even necessarily in public. But I've had like, I've I've been with people who 
are just like extremely affectionate. Like we'll be watching a movie and be in a pretzel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or versus like, uh, I didn't shower. Don't touch me. Like, I well, that's different. That's dirty. No, no more, <laughs> like, more, more so like laying on me, just like whatever. Just mm-hmm. and it's just seeing the different extreme ends. I'm like, I know which one I prefer. You prefer, yeah. Okay, because I think it's important that we kind of are cognizant about that. I mean, if I know that there's someone that may not do one of the, the acts of love that I like, and they're kind of the opposite end of it, looking at everything holistically, <laughs> I probably won't dub them or dismiss them. I mean, if it's really important to me, that would definitely be a conversation. i never really been with someone who doesn't like to cuddle, but um, I've had people who are, like, not into cuddling as much as I am, but, like, cuddling at all. Like, I never really had that. So, but I feel like if I had someone who was on the opposite spectrum, I will try to make it work. This is where communication is key. But I think it's important. The reason why we're having this conversation around this is because you know, around dating in our generation, it's like we, I feel like to some extent, some of us could be nitpicky. It's like, he gotta be 6'5". He gotta have tall, slender. He gotta be dark-skinned, not too dark. Like, um, he gotta have curly hair. You know, not the kinky, but the suave-looking Rike Suave <laughs> type of hair. Like, I think sometimes we get caught up a lot in the, the physicality of someone or like nitpicking and we, we kind of miss out on a soulmate or someone that we're supposed to be with. Um, I think love languages, like if someone had a a love language that was opposite from what you had. I think that's kind of my minor or minute, depending on how you perceive it and how your relationship is with that person. But, like, you don't want to miss out on the opportunity of being with someone and having a really good, healthy relationship because some some of their qualifications or one or two of the things that they do or have doesn't coincide with what you like. I definitely think it's something, if you could look past it and you could be receptive to it, then try to be open to it and having a conversation. But if you can't, do what it do. But every circumstance is different and issues. Um, every circumstances and relationships are different. And I think what's interesting around this time too pertaining to dating, I stumbled upon this great article for Essence. It's called 13 Most Common Excuses Men Make for Not Being Ready for Your Love by Lauren Porter. Now I will say this. Can we just say 13 Most Common Excuses People? Well, that's the thing I was going to say because as I was reviewing the list, it's I really think I get it from the author standpoint in terms of this applying to men but i do feel like it's something that could apply to both women and men that woman may use (laughs) that woman may use she ain't bitter bruh she's just speaking facts that woman woman may use too when they're not really ready you know um not every woman is ready for a committed relationship and want to be in a relationship. Some women kind of just want to have fun. Get it. And there's nothing wrong with that. So it, when I was reading the list, I was like, you know, this could apply to both. And some of the um, themes that were mentioned throughout, which I thought was important, is like, I really want to focus on my career. That's the line I've used before. I was just thinking. <laughs> like, I want to focus. I'd be like, yo, I use that. But to me... I used that recently. <laughs> but then you want a relationship with two people. So with me, I think it's important that I mean, I'm going to keep it on. I do want to focus on my career more. I'm not going to lie. Where I'm at right now in my life, I may not necessarily be looking for something. I do want a relationship when it happens, you know, genuinely, not forced or anything like that. But right now I am focused on my career. But I can understand a both male and a female using that. You used that recently. And your reason for using it because you didn't want to be well or you dead ass focusing on your career. I really <laughs> was, but I wasn't interested in that. <laughs> So you wasn't interested in her? 
Yeah. Okay, hopefully she's not listening to the show. Um, another good one is I'm Afraid of Commitment. You use that? You seem like the type. That seems like a Lauren Tide no, no. kind of joint. No, I don't think I've used that recently. <clears throat> and then also, let's enjoy what we have. I like the way yeah. things are going, also known as a situationship. Yeah, I heard that. I like that. <laughs> you smiling that <mad> hard. <laughs> yeah. It's real nice the way it is right now. <laughs> Why are you going to f- try to fix something that's not broken? <laughs> so having a conversation about what and more is, is breaking something. is trying to fix it. <laughs> Doing the most right now. Really? That's what it is? That's what got me thinking? So I think this, this list does apply to men, actually. Let's bring it back. Not both sexes. <laughs> but have you been in a situation where you wanted the situationship to go further? Or you had the same kind of mindset? Yeah. Why fix something that I, ain't broken? I've definitely, I've definitely been in a situation where I wanted to take something and make it more serious, but that, that wasn't reciprocated. So, yeah. I've so do you it. feel bad for using that line, knowing that it was used on you? No, because I think at the end of the day, people you got to just meet people where they're at, and I think that's what, I think it's the most important thing. If you go into any relationship and you're just straightforward from the very beginning, that just makes things a lot easier. There's really no ambiguity. Facts. So if I'm just dating and I'm not looking for anything serious at the moment, like being honest and open about that is important. Like I've had a friend who. He would meet women and tell them, yeah, like he's in an open relationship. So if if that's not something you're down for or cool with, then we're probably not going to, this isn't going to go much further. So I think you got to be just straight up right away from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, if two people know what it is, obviously feelings and emotions and things can happen and things can change. But I think it's always a great starting point when you lay out the foundation from the very beginning. This is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. No, it's true. It's very important. I think it's it's good to be honest with someone about where you are in your life and where you see yourself in a relationship. I do think it's important not to linger things on. If you know that you like the situationship for what it is, say it. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, well, we can talk about that next week. And the next week comes, like, yeah, let's talk about the week, the following week. No, we want to talk about this now. Where are we? What are we doing? This not what you want. You don't want to move forward? Cool, it's a dub. And I think some people are kind of scared to have those conversations. Other themes that were brought up on this list, too, was my ex really hurt me. Uh-huh. Um, oh, sucks for you. And um, I don't do labels. That was a common one. That <laughs> one, I, like, what? So being in a relationship mean that you, being because we have a title, that means what? Is that not what you want? Don't you want it to aspire to that someday at some given point? Uh, <laughs> I hate you. I think I think honestly for guys it's like guys wanna naturally fall into a relationship. Like, oh shit. After you naturally fall in her bed and in her panties. Like I'm I'm just saying. Because the reason some women rather... First of all, stop making, stop making it seem like this, like guys are just out here making things happen, like waving a magic wand and, like you said, falling into their bed. And I'm doing air quotes if you can't, since you can't see. But at the end of the day, these are adults having consensual relationships. No one has a gun to their head and make, forcing, so. forcing anyone to do anything. So stop making it like, oh, the guy made me do this and he doesn't want more like come on. no i'm not making it seem like that but the conversation 
does come to the surface in terms of if you're messing with someone and where you see each other, like you said, you y'all want it to gradually happen, right? Yeah. But there are instances with men. Sometimes it's like you want to be sexual and intimate prior to even having a label. You're like, well, you know, we could just form into a relationship. If you get all the goodies before we in a relationship, you're not going to work towards anything. You're not going to work towards anything. And I've that- experienced that. Like everything was perfect before, and then when we made it official, it was like, oh, so you just don't feel like we have to try anymore you don't have to do anything like and sometimes i feel like as women we are we think a little differently when it comes to that because it's like y'all got what you wanted prior to us even having anything solid and it's like why would you work hard towards anything else i haven't heard stories like and and it probably has happened maybe your boys who was in a situationship and it gradually and beautifully flowed into a relationship yeah i feel like not after four or five years of going back and forth and Fucking with Tyrone and Pookie and um, and then coming back and be like, okay, this is gonna be. I'm talking about an actual situationship. Y'all friends, y'all started messing around. Y'all got physical. Y'all started being intimate. Y'all cuddling. Y'all doing all a couple shit, no labels, and then y'all had labels, and then y'all in a relationship, and it was all consistent. It flowed. There was no issues. There was no trusting, cheating. I haven't heard of those. Well, I think you wanted to go perfectly. You said no issues, no trust problems like at the end of the day people aren't perfect so however it gets to where it needs to get like i think that that i think if it if it gets to that point that's all that really matters if it means you and pookie had a little falling out because you guys weren't sure what the the status was and now now you have to make it clear and things change that like i don't know i think things are life is going to be a roller coaster like no relationship is going to be smooth. Even if you say, well, this is awesome. It's a pleasure meeting you. Can I can I make you my girlfriend before I kiss you? So I make this official. Like, whatever. Like, there's no perfect Are way of things. Are you trying to be cute? Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's no perfect way. Like No, but I'm not saying, like, I'm not talking about relationships being perfect across the board. I'm talking about with me and my friends. Uh-huh. I haven't heard situations where you were in a situationship with someone. Uh-huh. And it was so successful, it was so amazing, and y'all transitioned into a relationship with labels, and there were no issues in terms of confusion as to where you guys stand with each other. Normally in situationships, it's that one person who wants more and the other person like, I kind of like it where it's at. Right. I haven't heard situations where it's like, y'all both want more, y'all both want to be in a relationship, y'all both are going to make this official, y'all both are going to have a label, boyfriend and girlfriend, whether you want to put an IG, Facebook, whatever you want to do, it's official, it's out there. There's no surrounding issues and factor as to why you can't escalate to that level. I, it's always been stories of being in situationships. And like I said, one person who wants to move forward, the other person who's like, nah, not really. And then it kind of just falls out. And then that's what it is. So, and then it makes you question, like, should we have been intimate so early on because we did not end up being in a relationship? And I feel like as times, sometimes as women, it makes us question, like, well, maybe I should have reserved certain parts of myself and waited. Maybe he would have worked as hard. Maybe we were in a relationship. And then I wouldn't have to be worried about it. I mean, at the end of the day, if a guy want to be with you, he's going to be with you. So if say, he y'all in a relationship and he's like, this is not what it is, he's going to end it. it. It is what it is. But as a woman, you may feel like you have more power when you're able to hold out longer. And then when you're in a relationship, definitely. then opposed to giving everything all up in the beginning. And then it's like, he's not where you want to be. Let me just make this clear. As a woman, do what it do. If you want to be able to do it and you want to get it in, you want to have fun, you want to mess around with multiple partners, do what it do. 
it's your prerogative. Um, but the matter of you doing that and then expecting that it's going to lead to a relationship, that's the problem, I feel. And it works for men, too. You could be messing around with somebody. Y'all can get physical and intimate. That doesn't mean y'all going to end up together. Yeah, you know, because that person may not feel the same way about you and want to take the relationship to another level, especially when y'all both been intimate. I think the problem is, especially with our generation, we skipping steps. We, oh, let's let's fuck around and have fun. And let's see where this goes. And it's like, oh, we cuddling, pillow talk. Ooh, sleeping over. How close that so-and-so crib. And y'all actually have a relationship. There's no, there's no labels. There's no nothing. Y'all barely going on dates. One of you want more and the other person is just like, I'm, I'm cool. I like, I like how this is going. I like the flow. I like the aesthetics. <laughs> so it's like, what are we doing? You know, and I think that that's what I'm saying. I've never heard of no situation shit that was like, and it just turned to a relationship and it was like clutch. I, if that happens to you and your boys, Pookie and them, cool. <laughs> I never heard of that. I never heard of that shit. I, so to me, that's, that's why it's good to be honest up front as to what you want from the gate. I currently, I want a relationship. I'm putting that out in the universe. So I'm really not, I don't care to be messing around. I had, I played around in my days and I had fun. But now I'm kind of ready to buckle down and be in something serious. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> Affirmation. I'm keeping it 100. You know, but that's, I think sometimes I'm like, you have to get to that point. And I made that point earlier in the episode. You got to pick where you're at. Do you, like you said, you got to deal with somebody where you meet them. So do yeah. you want a real relationship or do you not? And I think it's important to put that out in the universe. Um, that's one of the things I learned working with my life coach is that putting that out there in the universe. And that was a huge step for me to put out. I want a relationship. I want to be in a committed relationship, consistency and all of those things. There's nothing wrong with wanting that and let it happen on its own gradually. Um, You can still mess around and do you, but if that lifestyle, you kind of over it, cool. Ain't nothing wrong wanting to be with that one person. So definitely positioning your mind and self to think that way and kind of falling in line with that. Um, But if situationships and transitioning into relationships work for Coach B... Yeah, I, I didn't say that works for Coach P. I'm just saying it's it, things can happen that way as well. It doesn't have to go once. There is no one specific way. It's true. Things are supposed to. It's line not a up. formula. Yeah, because people follow that formula and don't work out. No, it's true. Most of the time. And where are you in your life now? Um, um, do you want a relationship? Do you want to be with people, plural, singular? Where, where's Coach P at? Right now, I think I'm just dating. Um, I feel like I have a lot going on in terms of. Just work and just other things that I have going on, like with this podcast, coaching, and just projects that I really... focusing on your career. Yeah. (laughs) Focusing on my career right now. But like I said, if I meet someone and we're going on dates, we're having fun, we're getting to know each other, and they're doing dope stuff, they and like they're, they're supportive of what I've got going and I like the things that they're working on, and even if we don't have that much time to spend with each other, like I could see myself naturally just wanting to spend more time with that person because they kind of just fit in with what I'm doing with my life. So I'm not opposed to meeting someone, going on dates, and then seeing where that goes. But I'm not I'm not pressed right now to look for, um, like, oh, I need a, a serious relationship right now. I genuinely, especially because I didn't really date that much when I was younger. So I, I actually enjoy getting to know people now, like, I think it's really cool just talking to people and just finding out how different people work mm-hmm. and operate. Um, so you're not focusing on being in a committed relationship? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay, that's cool. But if I if I get into one, that would be great. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely, you'll, you'll definitely know on the gram, please. 
We'll do that yoga, the the, <laughs> the yoga bay poses and stuff. Mess. I can't take you seriously at all. I was like, it's funny that you're saying this because I could have sworn the other day you were like, I want a relationship. But if this is what you're saying, can we all air? Go ahead, boo boo. No. You I'm... know, I like to keep it 100. I'm very honest because I'm unapologetically different, unlike some people. And maybe it's the season as well. Season what? <laughs> it's nice outside. Like for an hour. <laughs> like... Summer's about to. Someone's about to be right around the corner. Oh, so you ain't trying to buckle down? You trying to hit it and run? I did not say that. <laughs> but you was thinking it. You I'm trying to brunch and run. You trying you to brunch and run? Just have some brunch, get to know each other. If it's, if it's going to work out, then we have brunch again. Mm-hmm. But you and your two people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Lawrence Hobb on full deck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now. So, we're going to be switching gears a little bit. Coach P, what you going to hit us with? So, in this episode, I want to talk to you guys about fasting. So, fasting is really just a natural part of human development since we were just nomadic hunters and gatherers. So, we didn't always know where our meals were going to come from. We'd literally be out in the woods, in the world, just finding berries and hunting animals so there would be like periods where we didn't have food so fasting is a natural part of just human existence and it's so common that my favorite meal of the day breakfast comes from the word when you're sleeping and you're not eating anything you're technically fasting because you're not putting food into your body so when you wake up the next morning you're breaking your fast which is where breakfast come from i don't know i find that pretty interesting (laughs) (laughs) you would yeah (laughs) it's fine so so there are many types of fasts there's water fast there's well and just to be clear water fast is where you're fasting and you're only drinking water nothing else there's juice fast which would consist of fasting where you're drinking only juices from fruit or vegetables there's whole food fast where you're fasting and you're eating nothing but whole foods like apples or t- potatoes, tomatoes, veggies, fruits. Just things that don't have a label on it. No packaging. It's not in a box. It's like you see that growing out in nature. Um, and then another type of fast is religious fast. Like um, Ramadan, which is an Islamic fast that lasts one month where Muslims fast from sunrise to sundown. Or even in the Jewish faith where they fast during different holidays like Yom Kippur. And even in Christianity, there's multiple examples of fasting. So fasting has been around forever. It's not anything new. But a lot of times people get like... But it has been transformed over time though. Definitely. And right now, the one that I particularly want to talk about is intermittent fasting. And I just want to caveat everything that I'm going to say at after this point that I'm not a health professional. Really? Should, no. Mm, okay. <laughs> but and you should always conduct your own research, consult your Facts. doctor and or your healthcare professional when making any changes to your diet and lifestyle, especially, especially, especially if you have pre-existing conditions. But with that being said, you hear them now, Coach P said. <laughs> yeah. On this episode, at this time, at this minute and second. Yeah. Yeah, copy at that. Get the lawsuit. We're not not there to deal with lawsuits. (laughs) We don't have Michael Cohen on payroll. (laughs) We can't send you a $140,000 check. (laughs) 
The gag gag order. <laughs> I hate you. Um, yeah, so when it comes to digestion, it's the most, if not, it's one of the most energy taxing processes that occur in our body it takes up to 60 percent of your energy to digest that slice of pizza and turn it into the cells that make up your body like damn how long it takes to, to digest chipotle <laughs> because if that's the 60 percent well so in terms of it's just your energy like and have you ever had like a bowl of chipotle and then afterwards i know they get the burrito the burrito. But it's like, I feel very tired afterwards. I got the itis, like, it's nobody's business. That's why I can't eat that a lot. Exactly. And it's because your body has to break down all that food is why you're getting so tired. Because there's different things happening in your body that it has to deal with, and it zaps your energy to deal with that. So that's why digestion, it's so powerful because you're, you're literally taking that burrito and it's becoming Kiana. It's becoming all the cells that make up your body. So it's really important. But naturally, in this environment that we live in now, we eat way more than we need to. And we're constantly eating. Mm-hmm. We have breakfast and a snack, then coffee, then lunch. And then we go have drinks after lunch. like, And it's just constantly digesting all day long. So is there a honey fast? Exactly. Oh. <laughs> Anything is possible. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's just a perfect example of just how how powerful digestion is in terms of the energy that it takes. I didn't know it absorbs so much energy, and I, I'm glad that you made this point because, like, when I eat like a chipotle or something like that, I always notice how my body is, and so I will have to probably drink a cup of coffee to kind of get. And even that don't do it, right. like you know, what I'm saying I'm still like feeling tired and lethargic and stuff like that. So I always question, like, how is it that I'm getting so tired? So to understand my body and what's actually going on inside and how much energy is required to break down that kind of food and digest it, it's very informative. Yeah, especially especially with high-carb food. Because with that high-carb food, your blood sugar spikes up really quickly and your body has to release insulin to really break it down and get the blood sugar out of your bloodstream so that really will knock you out when you're eating like a high carb diet mm-hmm. or high carb meals so when your body has more energy to utilize it'll really redistribute it and it'll do it accordingly because your body knows what's best for you so whether that's fighting off disease healing yourself giving you more energy to think clearly and creatively getting work done, exercising, whatever it is, your body will always do what's needed with what it has. So that's why I think intermittent fasting is really important and really beneficial and from coming from experience. So the way intermittent fasting works, it doesn't involve going days without food, but rather you really have a set window where you're allowed to eat and a set window where you're fasting. And to give you an example, what I followed in the past when I was doing intermittent fasting, my window of eating would be between 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. So that's 10 hours that I get to eat within. And then from 8 p.m. to 10 a.m., there's no food that gets put in my body. And and I just want to make it clear. When Not I, even a snack? So that's what I want to make clear. When I say food, that means no like whole foods, no solid oh, okay. food. You can drink water. You can drink black coffee. You can have teas. And you can have like green juices. And those things, those will keep you really hydrated. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like real food, okay. you stay away from those. Okay. And 
the idea around it is that your body during that 10 to 8 p.m. or whatever your window of eating, it's on a schedule and it knows, okay, this is when food comes in. So now I can work on it. I can process it. I Mm -hmm. can get it where it needs to go, get the nutrition where it needs to go and work efficiently. And now it's, it's not eight, it's eight Oh five foods digested. Now I can just use that energy for whatever it is like gearing up to go to sleep or when I'm asleep healing from the gym or retaining the information that I learned that day, Mm -hmm. like really taking that energy because you can go to sleep with food in your stomach and it's it's yeah. literally going to sit on you yeah, and your body's still working. Full. Exactly. So it's really, when you can create like a schedule where your body's dealing with food during the day and it's not worrying about that when it's time to sleep and do other things, you're going to just be running more efficiently just mm-hmm. as, a, as a human being. And the beauty about intermittent fasting is that you can eat all the same things. You can have it all within that window, but it's the the way your body's going to deal with it is because you've put it on a schedule. So, like, have you ever noticed when it's time to, like, go to bed? If you've been going to bed around 10, 11 o'clock, you kind of just will start yawning or get tired, and you'll look like, oh, it, you're saying mm-hmm. yourself, it's my bedtime. Your body automatically knows these things. It it, it it's constantly looking for patterns to save energy so it doesn't have to think about things. Mm-hmm. Things just happen automatically. And it's the same thing with your digestive process. So some benefits that you can get out of intermittent fasting is just reduced fat because your body is actually it has the window where it's eating and it's digesting. So when that's not happening, it can actually just work on getting rid of fat and waste out of your body having higher energy levels because you're not actually spending 60% of your energy digesting food from the moment you wake up till literally 10 minutes before you go to bed mm-hmm. after eating that last cupcake or those Cheetos or whatever the case may be. Um, reduced inflammation in your body, just better sleep because your body can actually focus on putting you to bed. Again, better brain functioning because you'll just have more clarity and more focus because have you ever been eating or like you had a project to do and you eat something and then you just couldn't even think anymore like your mind would like it kind of goes back to the itis. Even if you're not necessarily falling asleep, food coming into your body will affect your mood. It affects your mindset. Like, Mm -hmm. it really has... Very moody when I'm hungry. Exactly. It has a very powerful effect on us. Like my food. And some studies have even shown that it can reverse diabetes. So there's lots of real powerful um, research out there supporting intermittent fasting. And I I genuinely love, love it and how it's made me feel. So in terms of you talking about this fasting, what advice would you give someone who have never fasted and then started doing Because this is a huge, like, difference and jump from not fasting to fasting. And even though it may seem simple to you because you've had practice in doing it, what about someone else who actually wants to do it but don't know how and want to be successful at it? Like, what would you suggest? I would suggest taking small incremental steps in doing it. So if you're used to having breakfast, like at... Let's say you have to be at the office at 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So you're having breakfast at 7. I would say start off by like 
giving yourself a time at night that works for you. Like you will stop eating food at that point. So let's just say you cut that time off to 8 o'clock at night. You can continue having breakfast as your normal schedule would, but you just say, listen, for the next week or two, after 8 o'clock, I'm not eating anymore. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've found, especially when you realize that you're going to put a I don't want to say a restriction because that makes it sound have a negative context to it. But when you're going to be disciplined about when you're how you're scheduling your eating, you start to realize a lot of times you overeat when you're just staying up, kind of doing things that really aren't beneficial. Whether you're just on the computer, on social media, just watching TV. Yeah. And one thing I've found that really helped is just like. Having a productive day and then just kind of winding down like, all right, I had dinner around 7.30, 8 o'clock, I'm done. And now I'm going to just get ready to go to bed to have a good day the next day. And I started to realize like when I didn't have to be up and I was just staying up for no reason, like kind of do things that I didn't need to be doing, mm -hmm. going to sleep made it so much easier because when you're staying up in the wee hours just watching TV or watching Netflix you start just naturally reaching for food. Yeah, you're like, creating a pattern. Right. And that and your brain, after being up for so long, will just start craving quick energy. That's why you'll get those high carb foods mm -hmm. like chips or cookies or baked goods. So honestly going to sleep if you really don't have anything to do because one, that's gonna help your health overall, just getting more sleep, getting quality sleep. And if you're cutting off your food at nighttime and a few hours before you're going to bed, that's going to just help you get the best sleep possible. Okay. And that'll just make it easier to just get into the habit. Then after a week or two, you could say, all right, I'm going to push it back. I won't have breakfast at 7. I'll wait till I get to the office and have breakfast at 8 o'clock. And then kind of just basically chipping away or burning the candle at both ends till you get to what's ideal for you. And for me... Um, what do you know that's working for you when it comes to this fasting? So for me, what works for me is I'll wake up. Let's say if I'm going to go to the gym in the morning, I'll wake up around 5, 30, 6 o'clock. I'll, um, I'll have my morning bath where I'm drinking 30 to 40 ounces of water. Then I'll have some sort of green tea to give me some quick caffeine boost before I go to the gym. He is not a coffee person. <laughs> green tea does it for him. I, on the other hand, love me some coffee. Okay? I'm addicted. I, You know what? I, I could go into coffee, but I, I would I know you're going to tear it up, but please don't because you know I'm obsessed with coffee and I need it a part of my life. So we just going to run with that. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, yeah, green tea to go to the gym. And then when I come back from the gym, I'll have um, I'll have like a protein shake just to drink afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then I'm heading into the office. I go into office around 10 o'clock. So I get there around 9.40 and I'll have a, my breakfast at 10 o'clock at my desk. So I'll be up for about four hours. I've had lots of liquids in my body to yeah. kind of just get me myself hydrated, get myself going. I give myself a little caffeine to give me a little boost of energy before mm -hmm. I go to the gym. But, like, if you really, especially even if you're not someone who goes to the gym, once you get into that habit, you start to realize, like, when you're not even focusing or worrying about, I need to grab food, mm -hmm. like, you have so much more energy to just, like, read a book in the morning, go to the gym, go for a jog, or 
yoga, meditate, doing whatever, just other activities yeah. other than just eating. I feel like just part of our society, food is so abundant everywhere we go. We just sometimes eat just to eat. Mm-hmm. And not everyone has that luxury. And when you kind of put yourself and you discipline yourself in having that structure, you realize you have so much more free time to do other things that might have not been a priority because they just it wasn't thought about that way. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Definitely getting going to bed if you don't have to stay up. Um, taking it little steps, incremental on both ends in the morning and at nighttime. And then... No, I think it's good that you mentioned that, taking baby steps. I think for some people on this road and journey of becoming healthy, we think that we have to make drastic changes overnight when actually we just have to take baby steps until we become whole and you know, we're able to fully commit ourselves to something and we don't feel like it's restrictions, it has a negative connotation to it, or that it's actually limiting us from what we want to do. So definitely take baby steps. And like Pierre said, just don't go by what he said on this episode, but definitely reach out to your health provider. If you want to participate in this fasting and doing it for your body, make sure you find out the pros and cons and the benefits as well from your health provider. So that you know what you can do and how your body can fully commit to this fasting if that's something that you want to do. Thank you, Coach P, for dropping them gems. Ooh, no problem. <laughs> you know, I appreciate you. Yes, so once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we really love and appreciate all the support from the fans. So, if again, if you haven't, definitely go check out iTunes or the Tunes Store for Android to get that unapologetically different ringtone. And while you're on iTunes, definitely leave a comment and a rating. We really appreciate it. It really makes a difference for us. Please leave a rating, guys, and a review. Yeah. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at unapologeticd underscore. You can find our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and on Facebook by searching Unapologetically Different. Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye.